Can you turn with me, please, to Luke chapter 18? But before you turn to chapter 18, can you turn to chapter 4? And before you turn to chapter 4, can you turn to chapter 5, please? I'm kidding. Turn to chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, and we're going to read something really quick. If you didn't bring your Bible, you can spy on your neighbors. If your neighbor doesn't have one and you're sitting in the wrong section, then you can look at the screen. Look for, we're going to read verse 18 and 19. This is our church verse for those of you that don't know. The Spirit, Jesus is now at the temple. He's reciting a passage out of the book Isaiah. It's a prophetic word regarding him. And he's speaking and he's saying, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rose up the squirrel in verse 20, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently, and he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very, I'm having a hard time. Day, 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 today, today. Now, when we, when we look at this verse, if we can keep it on the screen, when we look at this verse, Jesus saying he's been anointed, Jesus saying he's going to preach the gospel to the poor, preach the good news. He says, I've been sent to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, or one tra- other translation will say freedom for the captives. Recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, much of what we read, even looking in this text, is spiritual stuff, right? Jesus is not walking into prisons, opening them up to let people go that are there for what they did. Are you with me? Or did Jesus come to Clark County Penitentiary and then open up prisons This morning when we were praying for people and praying for our city. No, Jesus, when we talk about captives and them being set free, we understand these are people that are in bondage and sin, right? People that are oppressed by the devil. People that are in in invisible things, invisible issues. Issues that are more serious than physical ones. But here we also read that Jesus says he came to give sight to the Who needs sight? The blind do, right? Anybody? Everyone can see here? The blind need sight. But I want to say, and what we're going to talk about tonight, is that here, as much as this is also a physical thing that Jesus did come to do, because we know countless uh, testimonies in the Gospels where the blind were given sight. But we also know that I think more importantly, this is saying Jesus also gave, came to give sight to those that are spiritually blind. And I think we read this and we right away, myself included, we, we put it in the box in our mind that, hey, if you can't see and you walk like this and you got a cane or whatever, Jesus came to give you sight. But how often do we neglect the fact that in the church and in this place, we have a bigger issue than those that cannot physically see is that sometimes we go through seasons and we go through moments and we are in areas in our life where we cannot see spiritually. And if we cannot spiritually see, this is a bigger problem than physically being blind. You might disagree with me, but we'll talk about it. I'd rather be spiritually blind than physically blind, right? 
Yeah, all of you want to raise your hand. No one here wants to be physically blind. I'd rather be spiritually blind. But Jesus came to give sight to the blind, including those that are spiritually blind. Now turn with me to Luke chapter 18. We're going to read a story. Luke chapter 18. If you're taking notes, which I hope you are, I try to take notes every sermon I listen to. Anybody that's sharing or preaching just so I can write down what I receive and not forget it. So I encourage you to take notes. But Luke 18, before we read this text, if you're taking notes and if you're not planning on it, maybe you can plan on it now. You can write this down. What do I see? What do I see is what we're talking about tonight. It's a question. And maybe I'm going to say, what do you see? What do you see? Write that down. Some of you I know are writing this down in your head. You're never going to forget this. It goes into a permanent place where it's never lost. Whenever you need to go back to it, you can, right? Yep. Bunch of liars. Write this down. What do you see? What do you see? Ask your neighbor. What do you see? We have a natural tendency because we have physical eyes, to observe everything physically. Are you with me? How many guys here look at the personality of a girl before you look at her body? Man, I'm getting right to it. Oh, my gosh. I'm so uncomfortable right now. I don't know what to do with myself. I'm married. I don't care. Hello. Okay. How many of you are like, man, she is such a prayer warrior, man. She loves the Lord so much. Her passion for God, man. No, you, you ain't looking at that first. How many things, when you run into issues, for example, I just had a big issue. Well, not a big issue, but I had, a, had an issue. I took my uh, wife to uh, the circus show in Portland that came. We, I surprised her when we went to see it. And when I was pulling out of the parking lot, a lot of people walking out and and as I'm pulling out, this, this old guy, I can see he you know, kept, keeps himself in shape. He's all kind of he's pretty ripped, old guy. I see, see the vein in his bicep, and he's got a shorter sleeve shirt on. He's walking, walking. And he's walking right in the middle of the road. And not just, you know those people, not just in the middle of the road, but as he's walking, he continues to stay in the middle of the road. And, and I'm coming at him. I'm pulling around the corner. I'm coming at him. And I stop, of course, because I'm not going to run somebody over. Hello. And I stop. And... He continues to not just cross the road, but as he comes into the middle of the road, and I'm coming at him, he just kind of just begins to just keep walking in the middle of the road. And I'm like, do you not see where I am? Do you not see what I'm, that I'm about to run you over? And so I stop completely. He closely walks around my car. As soon as he crosses, I've been waiting for a little while. I'm not going to tell you how long. My business. But as he walks a little bit around, I can already begin to go. He gets angry and punches my window. He breaks my window. No, I'm not kidding. I'm just kidding. Come on. Man, that's been so awesome. But he punches, he punches my window just like this as he's walking, walking by, and he gets around my car, and then he kind of just comes at me, and I'm like, does he want to talk to me, you know, teach me how to drive? I, I, I can teach him how to walk, you know. <laughs> but, but, uh, but, but he's walking by, and just hits my, hits my window, and my, my, my mother-in-law and my wife didn't see what happened, and what was that? I'm like, 
that old guy just hit my window. And I didn't say it like that. I was a lot more scared. But uh, he hits my window, and I'm looking back. And he, he doesn't even look back. He's just walking away. But, you know, I saw an angry old guy. But you know what my wife saw? Man, my wife always got to top it off. My wife did not just see an angry old guy, but a drunk angry old guy. Yeah. And I'm like, what's his deal? I didn't, I stopped. I, I even had, if I, if I could say this, I even had thoughts. I'm like, if he broke my window, man, I'd probably get out and do something to him. <laughs> Talk to him. I don't know. I, I wouldn't be like, <laughs> what's up? Hey, man, thank you. <laughs> uh, where's your car at, bro? <laughs> you know, what kind of car you drive? Who do you like to be insured by? You know, and it's just. And I had these thoughts, but lacking to see, man, I don't know why he reacted in that way. I don't know why he did that. I don't know what he's going through. I don't know if something happened in his family or if he has a drinking problem, which I think he does. But so often, even in these natural things, we see things with our natural eyes and we're like, yeah, man, that kid, you know, stupid, you know, crazy old guy doesn't know how to walk and he's punching my car. And we, right away, it's so much easier for us to just look with our physical eyes, not seeing with our spiritual eyes. How about some people here, who looks at themselves in the morning with their spiritual eyes? I'm serious. Who looks up at themselves in the morning and speaks to themselves in the mirror, man of God? Good morning. Some of you, so this is going to set some of you free. Who gets up in the morning and declares scripture over themselves before they get out the house? The righteous shall live by faith, and Lord, today I'm living by faith. And you declare that verse over your life, speaking spiritual promises over your life. But so often, I think, I think we get up in the morning and we look at the mirror and we don't speak the spiritual things that we should over our life. We don't speak the promises of God over our life. We don't speak the word of God over our life. We don't see ourselves the way God sees us. Most of the time, I think we wake up and we're like, man, I wish this changed about me. One girl, huh? <laughs> Anybody else? Man, I, I wish, you know, why do I look so tired? I slept so much. I'm about to go meet somebody. They're going to think I sleep all day. You got big bags on your eyes and you try to cover it up with an inch of makeup. Or if you're a guy, you're trying to like, you know, put your head in the freezer a lot to like just wake yourself up. I don't know if anybody's tried that before. Somebody's like, whoa, does he have a camera in my house? But, you know, I've been looking in the mirror. I can't believe I'm going to share this. My wife's going to be so proud of me. I've been looking in the mirror and lately wishing I had more hair. I don't know why in the last year or so I've been losing hair. My dad, my mom's side, just beautiful hair people, like, like Jake, just beach hair. Just more than he needs. So pray about that, Jake, more than you need. The, we read in, in Acts chapter 2 that those that didn't have as much were given by those that had much. So, uh, and my mom's side, man, just, my mom has incredible hair. Thick, beautiful, just 
she doesn't have to do anything to it. And she just looks like a model. My, my, my grandpa, who I never met, uh, her, her dad, he had a he- full head of hair. My grandma. And then on my dad's side, I got most of the genes as far as my build, my body, my, even my personality, the way I talk, the way I look. I got a lot of my, a lot of my genes from my mom's dad. When my mom, um, he, he actually was a drunkard. And so he never got saved. He died because of alcohol. And he died, he died when I was, I think, a year old, so I never got to meet him. But when I would look at pictures of him, he had white, white shoulders, pretty, pretty strong guy, and tall, <laughs> sharp features, and just really handsome. And so um, I'm like, yeah, I got, you know, this, this is all me. <laughs> this, this is, he, looked like me when I'm, he looked like me younger. And so I'm like, I can't wait to get older. This guy is a good-looking guy. But as far as my hair, I went into my dad's side. At this, well, I'm believing. I still got faith like a mustard seed that Jacob's going to donate or something's going to happen. But extensions, wow, okay. That pastor might talk to me about that. Um, and so I've come to terms with the fact that, you know, uh, I, look up a lot to, I look a lot up to our senior pastor, spend as much time as I can with him. So I begin to believe that the anointing of our pastor who began to bald at an early age is passing on to me. And so, uh, and, then I, and then I started telling myself, you know, I'm still getting there. I'm not there yet. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm still getting there. But what I have come to terms with is, hey, if I start losing hair and I start balding, I'm going to be the coolest kid in town. That's bald. Now, you laugh at, you laugh at me. You laugh at me. But I'm going to be the first guy who starts going bald who actually makes it cool. Some of you are like, no, um, Eugene, hey, bro, just, just watch what I do. Just watch what I do, bro. Just watch what I do. Believers follow Jesus, you're going to be following me. Okay. But you know, you know how many things you can be set free from in the way that you look, in the way you think about yourself, what you see in the mirror, when you understand that spiritual sight is much more important than physical sight. That the things, is it possible that there's things in your life and things that you come across that you value just as much as this world values, but God wants to set you free, get you to a higher vantage point that you can begin to see spiritual things that are much more important to you and much more important to him than physical things are. But that's impossible if I continue to look through my physical eyes. I need to open my heart, begin to pray, ask God, draw near for him to begin to reveal things to me that he sees. And so my question today with what you look like, what you think you look like, what you think about yourself, the way you look at your job, the way you look at your friends, the way you look at drunkards, the way you look at people that are struggling in porn addiction or struggling in alcohol, people that go to your school, people that don't like you, what do you see? What do you see? What makes you different in the way that you see everyday life from somebody that does does not know the Lord? What do you see in your job? What do you see when you walk into school that nobody else is seeing? What do you see when you come into your house that no other family member is seeing? What do you see when you begin to pray from the mountaintop that nobody else is seeing? What do you see when you look at the mirror that nobody else sees but God's beginning to reveal to you? What do you see every day you live when you look with your physical eyes? Is it just physical or are you beginning to see spiritual things? What do you see? Come on, ask your neighbor, what do you see? Bless you. That was a cute sneeze.
Luke 18, please. Luke 18, verse 35. What do you see? As Jesus approached Jericho, say Jericho, this is important. Please, somebody else. As Jesus approached Jericho, say Jericho. A blind beggar was sitting beside the road. I want you to visualize this. When he heard the noise of a crowd going past, he asked what was happening. Okay? They told him that Jesus the Nazarene was going by. I'm reading NLT. If you could put that up on the screen. I saw that it was NIV before. Yep. They told him that Jesus the Nazarene was going by. So he began shouting, Jesus Son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, the people in front yelled at him. But he only shouted louder. Say, shout louder. Shout louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. Is that too loud? I'm going to get louder. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and ordered that the man be brought to him. And as the man came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I, Lord he said, I want to see. And Jesus said, our awesome Jesus, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus, praising God. And all who saw it, y'all get that? Y'all, all who saw it, praised God too. Now, I need your help to give us a little bit more understanding of what's happening. The Bible says, well, first let's do this. Before we get to doing this, the Bible says, that he is approaching Jericho. Mark says that he's already in Jericho. So people argue it doesn't matter. Is he in Jericho? Is he approaching Jericho? All we know for fact is Jesus is in the vicinity of Jericho. Whether he's in or nearby or coming up to or already in, he is approaching Jericho. And the Bible says that he's approaching Jericho and there is a large crowd following him and a blind beggar is sitting by the road, by the wayside. And he asks, hey, what's going on? Now, why he's asking this is not just because there's a lot of people. There's also a lot of noise and commotion. Now, if we take what's happening in this part of the gospel in Luke, what we know is that passages before this, I, I, I'd actually correct myself, chapters before, no, paragraphs before this, paragraphs before this, Jesus is revealing to his disciples about his death. Okay? As he reveals to them about his death and that he has to go to Jerusalem to die, Jericho is on the way on this journey he's going to, Jerusalem, he is going through Jericho. He is passing Jericho. We know that he stops one night in Jericho, and then he's going to his destination, which is Jerusalem. Besides the point that he has to go there for crucifixion, for him being betrayed and everything he knows is going to happen to him, the other reason he's going there is because it's Passover celebration. Now, this is like the big parade we have in Portland. This is the one time 
of the year where there is a lot of people. In fact, every Jewish male is now on his way to go to Israel, Israel, Jerusalem, to the temple. And so we're, we're talking about a huge amount of people that are now either living in Jericho, in the region of Jericho, maybe in whatever, other, I'm not going to get into geography, other areas around Jericho, they're gathering and they're taking this journey to go through Jericho and going to Jerusalem. And there's a large crowd as well because Jesus at this point has been doing ministry for at least three years. He, you know, to use the term famous is, is I think, accurate, but he is very well known. People are talking about him. I think weeks before this, if I'm correct, correct, Lazarus was raised from the dead. Word hath spread, the Bible tells us, into, the, into every region around the area of Bethany, which included Jericho, that a man was dead for four days, was in a tomb, and some man by the name of Jesus, who we know has been giving sight to the blind, has been healing people, has been restoring people, has been casting demons out people, teaches like nobody else teaches. He's been doing miracles we've never seen. He's, uh, he, he speaks with authority we've never seen. And this man, Jesus, we now heard on top of everything else we heard that he brought a dead man back to life are you with me Lazarus four days dead in the tomb not we think he was dead we know he was dead the rock was sealed he was in the tomb and this man Jesus calls him out of can you imagine hearing this in Jericho some man Jesus did what yeah I sound like I'm from the ghetto Jesus did what? Jesus just told him to get out, and he got out. I'm going to try it. He probably, some people are, went to the, went to the some too. Hey, mama, get out. When no one's watching, no one gets out. Man, I want to meet this man, Jesus. And so on top of it being Passover, on top of all the males going to Jerusalem, on top of this being a, one of the ways to get to Jerusalem from Jericho, on top of all this, this is Jesus Jesus that is doing crazy things and people want to see him, people want to meet him, people are talking about him, people want to get a look at him, people are climbing, climbing trees to get a look at him, people are breaking through crowds just to touch him. There are people that want to see Jesus. Are you with me? And on top of all this, there is extra commotion. There is extra noise. There is extra traffic. There is extra people. Man, there's a lot of people, in fact. And this blind beggar cannot help but to ask, when he's sitting at his, at his corner, when he's sitting maybe at the entrance, we don't know, or in the, in the city of Jericho, he's sitting there, however he's comfortable, he's begging for money like he usually does. This is a great time to beg because there's a lot of people. And he hears unordinary noise. He hears unordinary things and people are making a lot of noise. People are making a lot of ruckus. People are walking through this place. Everyone's talking. He hears people talking and he, 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 he feels somebody at his side or in front. Hey, 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 I know can you hear me? Hey, can you hear me? I need, you, I need to ask a question. Hey, you listen? Yeah, I'm listening. What's going on? How much you imagine this? What's going on? He can't see nothing. What's happening? I hear a lot of noise. Oh, uh, Jesus of Nazarene is walking by. Jesus of Nazarene. And see, I think at this moment, 
something clicks. Because they tell him, Jesus of Nazareth, but he begins to cry out, Jesus, son of David. Who told him Jesus, son of David? There was something he had known. There was word that was spreading. He knew that this is not just Jesus of Nazareth. This is Jesus, son of David. The only way he can say Jesus, son of David, is he believes that Jesus is in the line of King David, which adheres to Jesus being the Messiah, which adheres to Jesus being the promised who came, who David spoke about and prophesied about, this is the man that came to restore. This is the man that came to heal. This is the man that read Luke chapter 4, verse 18, the book of Isaiah in the temple. This is him. And so I'm sure his posture went changed from being a beggar to now being able to vocalize his cry that Jesus, wherever he is, would hear him. And I need you to make a lot of noise right now. I need your help, okay? Make your neighbor feel uncomfortable. If you want to get up on your seat, do it. If you want to throw something, throw it. Just don't hit me. But I need you to make some serious noise as thousands of people are walking by. And this blind man is trying to yell the name of Jesus. On one, two, three. Jesus! Yep. Nope. That doesn't work. That doesn't work. Because I just yelled Jesus. First time you heard me right away, that wasn't loud enough. I need you to get a little bit louder and a little bit crazier. People are excited. If Jesus was walking through who just raised Lazarus from the dead and you heard rumors about him and now you can meet him and maybe he's going to raise somebody you know from the dead or he's going to give you a miracle or he's going to give you a wife. Oh, hello. Somebody's going to shout pretty loud. And so can you please shout a little bit louder as you are beholding Jesus walking through, and you're so excited because right now you're about to go to Passover celebration. You're remembering how your ancient fathers of days, they were set free from, from Egypt. Passover is the fact that Jesus, the Lord passed over and you didn't die. And so because your great, 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 great people didn't die, you didn't die, and you're living in the promised land now because of what, Je because of what God did in Egypt, the ten plagues, blah, blah, blah. You're so pumped and excited. Can I hear a shout? One, two, three. feet the blind man received sight early not one person got up on their feet to shout one two three all right and as they were screaming as they were screaming he begins to scream uh, no we're not going to assume that they were all screaming that'd be kind of weird <laughs> walking through the city No, we're not, we're not going to assume that. But why I wanted you to make some noise is because there's a lot of people, and people are chit-chatting, talking. Man, when you, if you're at our Christmas party, which is coming up in the winter, hello. And Alex does an incredible job. Daniel, our guys, George, trying to lead the party. But they can agree with me that when y'all are talking here without any mics, any megaphones, man, it's loud. And they hey, got everybody here, everybody here. Hey, we're going to start a game right now. Can everybody listen? No, that's not how loud it talks, but 
It's really hard to get your attention. Keep that in mind for the party. But it's loud. And he, I don't know if he gets up. I don't know if he's on his knees. I don't know if he maybe goes like this to, you know, like a lion roaring. I don't know. Like this. Whatever makes it louder. He begins to say, Jesus, son of David. What else did he say? Have mercy on me. Worship team, you guys can come up. Have mercy on me. And we're laughing. But this blind man is crying out. And you know, what stands out to me here, really more than anything else, is the amount of people, the amount of people that are spiritually blind. Because their response to a man that's blind is shut up. Maybe some that are polite, sir, be quiet. Maybe some that are sick of it are about to knock him out. But the response of those that are around him is shh. They're on their way to Passover. Brother blind man. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Not, can I challenge some of you? Not to the park or to a party. We're going to the beach tomorrow. I'm so excited. But he's on his way to die. He's on his way to accomplish the very thing he was sent for. The reason he was on earth, the plan God had in mind, but the Bible says before the foundations of the earth, Jesus is now in the context of time about to fulfill God's eternal plan to save you and me. And so he's going somewhere really important. But you know, how often do we go somewhere that's really important, but we neglect and we ignore and we look over and we pass by so many people that are crying out. I got somewhere to be. Yo. You know, I, I don't want to be condemning in any way, but I did, I, I did post a message on Slack to our, to our team. And I'm not saying this to put anybody down. I just, I want us to see again. <laughs> we had guests from Cuba here. They're still here. And, and one of our elders called me and said, George, can you find somebody from your team? Can you find somebody young who can take them to a service on Wednesday night? I'm like, of course. I'm, I, most, of, most of our youth is not doing anything on Wednesday night except our worship team. So, yeah, I'll, no problem. I'll find somebody. And so in our big team group, I, I, I just wrote something. I'm like, hey, guys, there's somebody from Cuba here, and they're going to go minister at a, another church. 
And we're hosting them, so we got to take them there and, take, and bring them back. If there's anybody, hey, just DM me privately. You know, it's, I don't know, 60 people on that channel or whatever. Not one person responded. You know, there's a lot of really important things we're doing. <laughs> I'm sure, I know. I'm not saying there's not. But, you know, in that important journey we have, there are things that in God's eyes are more important. And in God's eyes are much more valuable than what we have planned. And it's crazy. Jesus didn't use this as a reason to say, hearing his cry, I have somewhere to go right now. And I'm, I'm trying to focus. I'm trying to stay. I'm trying to, I'm try, I need to get this done. But on his journey, days before, weeks, moments before, he's about to go to the end. He's about to cross the finish line. He's about to be on the cross. He's about to be betrayed by Judas. He's about to have the Last Supper. He's about to be anointed. He's about to walk into what God placed him there for and accomplishing it, being able to be on the cross and say, it is finished. And in this process, in this journey, the Bible doesn't use this too much in the Gospels, but it uses, uses it in this passage, is that when he hears the cry, he stops. What? What? He stops. He's got somewhere to be, yo. He's going somewhere really important. If there was ever something important to go to, it was him. He stops and he says, bring him to me. Now, my next question and what I begin to think about after this is, okay, you stopped. Why don't you begin to make your way to him? But he stops and stays and begins to say, bring him to me. Are we in a position where we are not just spiritually blind, but spiritually aware. Spiritual blindness is this. To not see Jesus for who he is and to not see people for what they're worth. It's to overlook the sinner, overlook the neighbor, overlook the classmate, overlook the coworker, overlook the brother or the sister or even the parent, overlook somebody is spiritual blindness and to not behold or be able to see Jesus in his fullness for who he is how he sees me what he wants to do is also spiritual blindness and I am shocked but I am not shocked because I am of these people too often in my life where I'm in a place where there are people that are in need there's a Jesus that I have but I'm spiritually blind to who he is to who this person is and I just can't connect the dots and part of the reason is I'm too busy. Part of the reason is I don't see what God sees. I don't see him for who he is. I don't see people for who they are. And as this blind man is crying, people are saying, shut up. How many people are we shutting up? Maybe not with words, but with action. Maybe not vocalizing, but in our mind. People here who we, we, we look at each other and we think, man, that kid, what's he doing being a leader? 
I know he, he does this and that. What's he doing sharing? What's he doing preaching? What's he doing involved in worship? What's he doing leading a life group? What's he doing going to this church? I see him outside of here. How many of us overlook with our fleshly eyes, even the people that are in here, that God has chosen, that God has called for such a time as this, and we're looking with fleshly eyes, not seeing men of God, not seeing women of God, not seeing sons and daughters, not seeing people that are going to change the world, not seeing people that are going to change society, not seeing people, I can keep going, that are powerful, not because of their looks, not because of their abilities, but they're filled with the Spirit of God. And he who is filled with the Spirit of God, for whom is nothing impossible. How often do we see that? How often do we see that? And this is a huge crowd of people that don't see him and don't see Jesus. But you know what encourages me? Jesus said, bring him here. And he was brought, which tells me there were people that were close. There were people that were near. There were people that could hear. There were people that could see. That were in the vicinity, not of Jericho, but in the vicinity of fellowship with him, of closeness with him. Being, you know, it's interesting, in the book of Genesis, if you ever thought about this, I'm going to connect this really quick. In the book of Genesis, when Adam falls in sin, the Bible says he is hiding. He is ashamed. He's ashamed of what he's done. He's ashamed of what he looks like, and he hides from the presence of God. Then the Bible says, in the cool of the day, God comes and begins to walk in the garden. And what blows me away, and I never thought about this before, is that Adam hears him. Now, why that's important is this. Eden is not a 10 by 10 room. Eden is not even the size of this church. Eden is big enough to hold all animals. Eden is big enough to have every tree, every fruit. Eden is big enough that the Bible says, from this place, Eden, flow four rivers going into all the earth. This is a big place. But what blows my mind is that in this place, in this huge place, Adam is in one place and God comes to walk in that specific place or in that specific vicinity where Adam is able with this earthly ear to hear the footsteps of God. You with me? He doesn't just show up somewhere and with a thunderous voice, Adam! You know, and just... But he comes to that place where Adam is nearby. He says, Adam, where are you? Where are you? And the Bible says, he comes out of the bush, that comes out of, comes out of hiding. Here I am. He, before you could ever come to him, there was a moment he came to us. There was a moment that our circle was important for him, that our vicinity was important for him, that my life was important for him, that who I am had value to him. There was a time where Jesus came, not just to some place, not just to a place, but he came to my life, to my circle. The Bible says before you chose him, he 
chose you. So before you went to find God, God found you. Before you were searching for God, God already searched and found you. Before you thought about him, he already thought about you. Before you looked to him, he already saw you. Before you had any desire to follow him, he desired to be with you. So he came to your vicinity. He came to your zip code. He came to your house. He came to your room. He came right to your life. And in this context, there are some people that are in now the vicinity of Jesus that care more about just being with the crowd and being with him. That care more about falling behind where all the cool kids are, but care more about being as close as possible to him. And when the large crowds are following, there's a group of people that are close. Close. And Jesus stops. I can, I can picture this. First, these people stop. See, the closer you are, the faster you react. The closer you are, the faster you respond. Because I want you to imagine a large group of people following him, and Jesus first stops. What do you think happened? Everyone kept going. All eyes were on him. When he stopped, there was a trickle effect, like a sound wave. Everyone began to stop. destination what's what's going on in my schedule these people are more important what do you want I'm praying for them Just speak the word Lord I'm praying for them I'm, I'm standing in the gap for them speak the word and when God begins to speak to you this is what enables you to go some of you are worrying way too much Lord send me Lord use me Lord this Lord this and this is good but I have found the more that I stay close to him, the more my priority is his zip code, the more my priority is his room, is what he wants, what he desires, to position myself to hear, to position myself to see. Out of this place, ministry begins to flow. Out of this place, things begin to happen. What My dreams of wanting to be used, asking to be used, waiting to be used, all of a sudden I naturally begin to be used because I'm in a place where I've positioned myself to see, I've positioned myself to hear, and in this place I'm now able to go. I'm able to go. And now these people that were stopping him are making a way. And he's walking.
as we close in prayer, what I want to pray about. Here it says that Jesus heard. And this encourages me so much in my faith. Jesus heard. Jesus heard his cry. Some of you that have been struggling in a certain area of your life haven't seen that breakthrough, haven't seen that fresh start, haven't seen that freedom. Jesus hears the cry of our heart in faith. You know, when you pray for somebody who's going through something in their life, I think the hardest thing when ministering to people, meeting with people to help them with whatever they're facing. I don't know what Pastor Luck you think, but for me, one of the hardest things is when you meet with somebody who needs help is not the not the loneliness you feel of, man, how do I help them? But I think the hardest thing for me is when you're sitting with this person and in your heart you're not convinced that they really want freedom. Because this totally disables you from being able to say, hey, this is what you need to do. I'm going to pray for you right now. You're going to be set free. He came to set the captive free. He came to give sight to the blind. There's another verse Jesus says to Pharisees when Pharisees begin to condemn a different blind man. Maybe, yeah, a different blind man. A man that was born blind from birth. The Pharisees called this man out to meet him. So are you, were you really blind at birth? Yeah, 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 I was blind at birth. Then they bring their parents, his parents out. Was your son really blind at birth? Yes, he was blind at birth. Okay, they brought him back. Were you really blind at birth? He's like, what, what else do you want to hear? What else do you want to hear? I told you I was blind from birth. And I told you that a man named Jesus spit in the ground, grabs, made some mud, rubbed it in my eyes, told me to go to a to dip in the bath or dip in the lake, whatever. And when I did that, I saw. And the reason they're trying to figure this out is because it was Sabbath. Why am I, why am I sharing this? Somebody help me out. Man, sometimes you get, need to keep it simple. Come on. My point is this, in closing. Jesus hears our cry, not our voice, our cry. I'm being very specific with our words, my words. Jesus hears the heart, not your voice. When there's a cry from within, he always responds. When there is a cry from within, he always comes through. I think if you see a consistent issue in your life that you don't have freedom from, evaluate your cry 
for freedom. Evaluate your need to be delivered. Evaluate how much you really desire to know him. If I look back every moment in my life where I was truly desperate and crying out from the bottom of my heart, God knows, God always answered. God always came. God always spoke his word. God's presence filled my room. Every time from the cry, he responds. And it was this blind man's cry, not just his voice, not just his prayer, not just his scream. It was the cry of this man's heart that stopped Jesus because this is why he came. Those that are captive, I came to release. Those that acknowledge their blindness, I came. That's what, that's what I was talking about. In another verse, Jesus says this. He says, you're not going to believe this. you got to find it in your Bible to figure it out for yourself. He said, I came to give sight to the blind and blindness to those that think they, think, 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 think they can see. Anybody can preach here. He says, I came to give sight to the blind and blindness to those that think they see. That's what he said to those Pharisees that were judging that blind man being healed on the Sabbath. And he said, they said, so are you calling us blind? He says, he said, you don't think you're guilty. This is powerful. In my own words, if I totally mess this up, God forgive me. But in my own words, they say that, he says this, because they say, are you calling me blind? And I, maybe some of you feel that way. This is what Jesus says. If you claim to not be guilty, then no. But since, no, if you claim to be innocent, in my own words, if you claim to be innocent of your blindness, then no, I'm not calling you blind. But if you are not willing to admit your blindness, I am. The point is, when we understand that I need sight, that I, I want to begin to see, the Bible says those that humble themselves will be exalted, will be lifted up. I just begin to spiritually see that in this, when we humble ourselves before him, begin to cry from our heart that we want to begin to see what he sees in people, in ourselves, in him. When we want to begin to truly see have eyes, spiritual eyes. He hears the cry. Our humility is visible and he begins to lift us up. He begins to take us to a place where from a higher vantage point, we begin to see ourselves. We begin to see our life, everything this world values. We begin to not value what God values. We begin to value what people are being passed by. I will not pass by. What people are being ignored, I'm not going to ignore. Who's being walked by, I'm not going to walk by. Who no one cares about, I will care about. When I humble myself, acknowledging my blindness, God begins to lift me up, restoring my sight spiritually, that I would see him, that I would see what he's doing, that I would see people that are in my life and begin to be able to help them. So what, what I want to do as we pray, I'm not going to come out right where you are. If this is something you need, begin to acknowledge and cry out to him. It's great when we come to the altar. It's great when we respond so that people can pray for us. But you know, 
my prayer for you, Pastor Slavic's prayer for you, our leadership's prayer for you is not going to help you enough as much as your cry will. When you begin to cry out from the bottom of your heart, Jesus is going to stop and Jesus is going to begin to speak. And when he speaks, your life is going to be changed. So come on, get up with me right now. No matter what's happening in your life, what you're going through, leader or not, visitor or not, come on, begin to cry out. If it's, if it's your spiritual blindness that you become aware of, of people that are in your life, of not seeing things through God's eyes, not seeing yourself through God's eyes, begin to cry out right now. Begin to cry out to Him. If you feel like you are here and you've been going through some stuff in your life, you've been struggling in some areas of your life, and you've, you are tired of going around the same mountain, you are tired of facing the same thing, begin to raise a cry from your heart. I don't, know, I don't just need to hear your loud voice, but begin to cry out with your heart. Begin to cry out from within. Jesus is here. He will stop. He will answer. We pray in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you right now. Come on. I thank you for every person here. I thank you for those maybe that are struggling in any area of sin. God, you hear the cry of your children. You respond to the cry. If our fathers and mothers come to us when we cry so much more, when we cry out to you, do you respond? Do you show up? Do you come to our need? And Jesus, right now I pray. I pray for every person that's crying now. I pray for every person that's tired of where they are. Lord, hear the cry of the heart. Hear the cry of the heart. of the heart, Lord. Hear the cry of the heart, those that are in bondage, those that are in captivity. Lord, here's your cry. Begin to cry out to him. He hears your cry. He answers the cry of the heart for him. Come on. He's your answer. He's your solution. He has what you need. He has your healing. He has your breakthrough. He has everything you need. Cry out to him. Cry out to him in faith. Cry out to him from the bottom of your heart. Come on. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let him hear your cry. Let him hear your cry. Let him hear your cry. He will not pass by. He will not ignore. He will meet you where you are. He will meet you where you are. He is faithful. He is good. His grace endures. His mercy is renewed. Come on. He is here to meet you where you are. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord.
pray. Some of you need to press in right now. Press in. Press in. Sometimes you got to do something different to have what you've never seen. Come on, do. Begin to press in right now. Press in. The Bible promises those that seek Him with all of their heart will see Him, will find Him. He who asks will receive. He who seeks will find. He who knocks, the door will be open. Come on, begin to press in right now. If it's not for yourself, begin to press in for those in your life that you need to begin to see in a new way, that you need to begin to reach out to in a new way. Come on, God has called you, each and every single one of you, to be that way, to be that way, to be that tunnel that's formed to get those people that need Him, that are crying out for Him, that they would meet Him, that they would meet Him through our life, that they would see Him through our life. Begin to cry out for them in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. 